Hello? Is that better? Yes. That's on me. That's, we'll blame the caffeine. <laughs> so pumped. Thanks, Sean. Sean's awesome. So, where were we? Talking about Acts 12, memory verse. Okay, if you've been doing your memory verse, this is your time to show off. Okay? We're going to read it together. So shout it out. You can cover your eyes, whatever you want to do. This is Acts chapter 1-8. Let's read this together. Those of you over here, you'll have to look at the screen up there. So all together. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Fantastic. You guys did awesome. So We've got a lot to cover today, and that's why I had a big cup of coffee, because we've got about 40 minutes, and we're going to spend a lot of our morning in Acts chapter 12, and we're going to look at a, a model that we see in Acts chapter 13 concerning the first missionaries, because that's where we're going to spend a lot of our time in the next few weeks. So, I know it seems like we rushed through that, but we got a lot to do this morning. Um, so, to review and set up our conversation today... Uh, remember in Acts chapter 9, we saw a rabbi who fought God and was converted. And his name was Saul of Tarsus. Ring a bell? We talked about him a few weeks ago. So he fought against God's plan for his life. He was trying to fight against the spread of the church in Jerusalem, northward into Syria, and Damascus. So he fought God and was converted. And then in chapter 10, if you've been following the reading plan, we read about a soldier named Cornelius. And this was a centurion who followed God, uh, and he was converted. He had a basic belief in God. He had a basic understanding. He went through some of the Jewish rituals. He had a basic system of belief. But when Peter came and shared the truth, he accepted the truth. He received it. So reviewing for today, we have a rabbi who fought God and was converted. We have a centurion soldier who followed God and was converted. And if you had done your reading plan for today in chapter 12, you're going to read about a king who fought God and was killed, okay? And spoiler alert, he gets eaten by worms, okay? So the Bible's not boring. We're going to get to this in a little bit, but some tension to think about when we're approaching Acts chapter 12. Saul fought God and was saved. Herod fights God and dies. So there's a little sneaky peek of what we're getting into. It's going to be fun. And I, I'm really excited. So let's go ahead, uh, Acts chapter 12, we're going to start with verses 1 through 4. I'll have it up here um, as well. So this is Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this was met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers. That's 16 soldiers. Seems a little much, right? Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. And the public trial, you saw how excited the Jews were when they, they killed his friend. So you can pretty much guess what they're wanting to do to Peter. So let's take a moment and unpack there's these four verses, but there's just so much we can pick out. So what we're seeing is we're seeing Herod, um, a, a powerful person doing a political move. He's doing something that the people loved. He had James put to death, and the crowd went nuts. It was like a baseball game, right? They were pumped. So he, what do you do to curry favor with a crowd? 
you could do what they want, right? So this is a huge political move we're seeing Herod do. Um, and those of you that, that know your New Testament, how many of you guys have heard the name Herod before? Okay, I want to clarify some things because when you see the name Herod, it's kind of like seeing the word Caesar in the Bible because un- unfortunately there's more than one Herod in, in Scripture because there's, there's like the Herodian dynasty and essentially it was just a whole bunch of bad dudes. If I could classify this family, this was a family that fought against God for generations. Um, and, and what's actually really crazy, I think this is cool, that this Herodian family actually has Idumean roots um, through Herod the Great. And Herod the Great was the one that ordered for all the babies to be killed. That's not the Herod we see here. Um, but they had Idumean roots back through a man named Esau. And you remember Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. So you have a family that's so messed up, so close to Abraham. Isn't that crazy? We could spend a whole Sunday there. But in studying for this, that kind of blew my mind. So to speed up our Herod history lesson today, the Herod we're reading about in Acts, this is Herod Agrippa. So this is the grandchild, essentially, of Herod the Great. So if you have time, go, go read about this Herodian dynasty, because it would make great reality TV. You've got it very violent people, too. They'd kill their wives, their children, and then they were, like, marrying each other's wives, like, stealing each other. It was, it was really weird. But it was, it was messed up, okay? So anyway, that's some history about Herod and, and kind of what's going on here. So back to Acts 12. Herod was doing what the Herodian family does best, and that's kill people, right? They were some bad dudes. And we, we see James put to death in the Scripture. Um, and, and again, the, the crowd loved it, so he grabs Peter, too, so we see Peter, he's, he's thrown in jail. He has 16 guards dispatched to watch him. The dude is chained up, probably hands and feet, with 16 guards. Doesn't that seem like a little much for, for a little unarmed Peter, right? But remember, Herod probably knows that Peter's got out before, right? He, he's heard the word on the streets about how when he was in Jerusalem and he escaped, So he's probably got the best men on guard, 16 of them. And we all know what's going to happen. Peter's going to get out, right? (laughs) So let's keep reading. So, So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. So this is really cool, okay? So he's locked up in jail, and there's a group of people praying for his release. That's awesome. So let's keep reading. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood at guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side. He didn't just poke him. Isn't that interesting that's in there? Like, grab the Louisville slugger and he must have been sleeping, you know? He says, quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and then came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. 
So a lot of drama is happening here in Acts 12. And I grew up in church, and this was a common story. But in preparing for this message, something stuck out to me that hadn't stuck out to me before. And we're going to talk about it. So we, we see in, in this text that Peter's sleeping, okay? So I thought to myself, how do you sleep in jail? Okay, I've never personally experienced prison, but how would you sleep in a place surrounded by other criminals or uh, ruly people? And then my mind, if you know me, my mind wanders a million miles an hour. How do you sleep in jail? Okay, number one, how do you sleep in jail chained to a guard? right? How do you sleep in jail chained to two guards? How do you sleep in jail chained to two guards knowing you're most likely going to die the next day? So they just killed James, and I'm probably next. So how many of you in the room are light sleepers? I'm not one. I should put my hand down, okay? (laughs) So for me, a lot of things can keep me up at night, okay? It's, It's not hard to do. Like I said, if I have caffeine probably after 12, like noon, noon 12, <laughs> three, okay? Any caffeine-sensitive people here too? I'm still shaking. Um, or if I see a scary movie, and let me tell you, Finding Nemo is about the scariest movie <laughs> I can watch, right? That's too sad too. Like, movie's horrible. <laughs> or, or for me, um, I don't know about you, like the dumbest worries like, I'll be laying in bed, and then I just wake up. Did I lock the back door? And then I can't go back to sleep until I get up, go all the way down the stairs, walk through the house, stepping on dog bones and Legos, until I get to the back door. Does anybody else do that? Okay, it's just me. I'm a freak. Oh, one hand. Thank you. <laughs> so I put myself in Peter's shoes. I am worrying about literally the dumbest stuff, right? Here's a good one. This keeps me up at night thinking my spouse is mad at me, and then I keep asking, are you mad at me while she's trying to sleep? (laughs) Have you all done that? Yeah, don't do that. (laughs) But anyway, we run these scenarios in our head, we toss back and forth, and we, we become restless. So knowing this about myself, I put myself in Peter's shoes in this situation. How in the heck is he sleeping here? He didn't have a a, a box fan, which I have to have, or a sound machine, which I have to have, or a humidifier, which is nice to have. It wasn't playing ocean or whale sounds. It was probably a bunch of men that stunk and were farting and snoring. I mean, that's the reality of what's going on in this prison, and he's chained up to the wall. He's not comfortable. And we see in Scripture he's asleep, and he's so asleep an angel has to smack him in the side right? The blinding lights don't wake him up. The dude is out cold. So when I, when I ask the question, how is Peter able to sleep? I have an answer to that, that question. And, and we see this in scripture. I believe Peter was sleeping in the situation because he knew he wasn't going to be executed the next day. And how do I know that? Let, let, let's read, okay? I'm reading from the Gospel of John. This, isn't, this is just a whole chap- chapter. But this is a promise that Jesus made to Peter. Okay, you can read along. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. 
Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. So, Peter remembers a promise that Jesus is telling him. And if you look at the timeline, this is actually just a few months ago. So, Peter's not too worried in this situation because he knows, he knows, he knows he's not old. Okay, this was just a few months ago. So he goes, you know what, good night. I'm not going to die tomorrow. There's nothing to worry about because God told me I'm going to die when I'm old. And I don't, I don't know how old he was in that situation, but he knew he was not old and it was not his time because Jesus indicated the type of death he was going to have. Peter says, I know I'm going to get out of this. I'm not going to die. So Peter, this rest we see is of peace and comfort, not because he was exhausted, because he had every reason to be up all night worried. So let's think about that. How about us? This is your first fill in the blank today. Are you currently resting in God's promises? So I don't know what circumstances you're facing right now. Maybe you're feeling trapped in a situation like Peter's in. Maybe your situation looks bad. Maybe no end in sight. Maybe you're losing a battle. Maybe it's a financial battle. Maybe it's anxiety. Um, Maybe you're stressing about money. Maybe a relationship. So I don't know what you're experiencing right now. I know what I experience. But I do know we have been given promises in Scripture just like Jesus gave Peter. Because Peter had every right to be freaked out in this situation. He had every right to be scared to death, to anxious. But Peter remembered a promise that God gave him because he knew Jesus. Just like we have the opportunity to to know God's word and look for God's promises, we have the same opportunity to rest in God's promise. So let's expand on this a little more. What's What's keeping you awake at night? Because there's, there's times we have a lot on our mind. So this is our first challenge. Why, why are we not resting in God's promises? We, we're always going to have these moments till the, the day we're gone. These moments of weakness, fear, worry, doubt, anxiety. We're human. I have them. You have them. We all have them. But in those moments, we have to choose to be like Peter and rest in God's promises, which we see in, in Scripture. So let's keep going with this idea. It's like a a tension sandwich because we're going to throw some more on top of this. And that's this. How can you rest on promises you don't know? Okay, I'm not going to pull any punches here for this part. We're going to have some fun and I have some props. But through Acts, um, you've heard it said from this stage before, as a culture, we're becoming more biblically illiterate. And I, I see some head nods and it's scary because when you become biblically illiterate, you lose out on the promises that are in God's word. No wonder we're anxious, church. No wonder we worry. We look to other things to fill us up rather than going back to scripture because let me tell you, it's all there. If there's something keeping you up at night, there's an answer in, in scripture for you. So if that's you, if you, if you classify yourself as this, maybe, maybe you're worrying about something and you don't know the answer, I would challenge you if open your bible 
Okay, go to BibleGateway.com, some Bible website. Uh, small group, join a small group. Mark counseling on your Connect card. Reach out to our pastoral staff. Because we want you to live life full, free of anxiety, free of worry. Because life's going to go sideways. But we can choose to rest in God's promises. First, we need to know what they are. And if, if that's where you're at, that's your challenge for today. Begin to discover the promises for your life. One of my favorite scriptures, um, and it's a promise that, that comes to my mind quite often. I throw it around, it kind of bounces off. There's a lot of room in my head, so it bounces off my cranium. You know, and it's Isaiah 26. I had to write it down because I was nervous I'd forget it. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. That's one that, that I love. That's a promise. So we see Peter's living in the presence and the promise of God. He knows Jesus is there with him. He knows he's not going to die. So church, we need, to, we need to start to live like Peter. And I'm so glad we have a, a story like this we can study in Acts. Okay, so, so let's keep going. So the, the story goes on in, in verses 12 through, I think we're going to read 16 here. So follow along with me. So when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. So remember, he just got out, and now he's going to go see his friends, right? So, verse 13, Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda, I think that's how you pronounce it, came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. She was pumped, right? And they, what did they say? They said, you're out of your mind, lady. So she kept insisting it was so, and they said, it must be his angel. So they had doubt. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. So we see, after being freed from prison, Peter goes and meets up with the people that were praying for him. He knocks at the gate, and the servant goes and tells the rest, and they said, you're crazy, girl. You're crazy. It must be his angel. So let me say something. Let me preface this a little bit. I'm glad they're having a prayer meeting. That's good. We need to do that as Christ followers. We need to pray for people. I admire this group. But they were praying continually, but they were not praying expectantly. Go ahead and write this down. This is another main point for today. You see, they were praying continually for Peter's release. But based off their reaction, they weren't praying expectantly. They weren't expecting Peter. They doubted right away. If this group were praying an expectant prayer, they would have had a different reaction to Peter being outside. They would have ran out. They would have said, thank God, we knew it. It worked. Thank you, Jesus. I knew you would answer our prayer. But what did they do? Instead, they said, it must be his angel. They doubted. Their response was, you crazy girl. Right? You crazy. So here, here's the challenge for us. When you pray, do you pray continually? Do you pray expectantly? And let me tell you, this, this, is, this is a hard challenge. Because how... How do you pray in 100% faith that God will hear you and bless you and answer your prayer? That is a hard thing to do. 
That's a hard prayer to pray. Think about it. But I think it's important this was included in this story. It's a challenge for us. It's a calling. It's It's a step up. So, we need to learn to pray continually and expectantly. So the story goes on. You can story along in your Bibles. We're not going to have it up here. In the last part of the chapter, okay, we're going to story through the rest of 12 here and pull out some application in 13. So King Herod kills all the guards on duty that night, okay? Because again, it's Herod and he's kind of messed up, right? He's kind of raised messed up. His parents were messed up and yeah, not, not a good situation. So the, the guards were killed. They searched for Peter and then Herod does some, some traveling, okay? And then Herod has an opportunity or a choice to honor God, okay? God gave him a choice to give him glory. And guess what Herod did? He claimed the glory and he turned to a pile of worms, right? For real, because he stole God's glory. And this could be a whole mini sermon, (laughs) but we're gonna keep going, right? Don't steal God's glory. That's what you can take away from this. Very different outcome. So I love chapter 12 because it's a roller coaster of emotions just like I am sometimes. Ask Chelsea, okay? It's got the highs and the lows and the ups and the downs. We see at the beginning, you see Herod Agrippa like flexing his powerful king muscles, beating his chest, look at me, killing people. And how does this chapter end? He's being eaten by worms, right? We see at the start, Peter's in prison, John is killed, but the story ends with Peter freed from jail and Herod dead. Church, this is the God we serve. Amen? Absolutely amen. So, to recap what we've learned in chapter 12, we learned a few things from Peter today. Number one, church, rest in God's promises. And in order to rest in those promises, we need to understand those promises. We need to know our Bible. We need to know the promises. When you're trapped in circumstances, because you're going to be trapped in circumstances, or at least feel like you're trapped, when you're financially strapped, when you're anxious, when you're worried, we have a tool in Scripture that we can go to. And we can choose to be like Peter in those situations and to rest in God's promises. The second thing we learned in chapter 12 is this. We need to pray expectantly for God to show up. Expect him to show up. Don't be surprised when he shows up. Have faith that God will hear you and answer your prayer. So that's chapter 12, and we did that in 20 minutes. So we did pretty good. Now we gotta do a whole other chapter in like 15. Think we can do it? Okay, I think so too, I hope. If not, we'll be here past lunch, and we don't want that. Okay, so go ahead and turn to uh, Acts chapter 13. And I'm going to talk a little bit about a transition that's taking place while you're turning there. Beginning in chapter 13 to the end of Acts, Paul is becoming the dominant figure in the text, okay? So the light is off Jerusalem and the the apostles like Peter, James, and the rest, and it shifts to this recently converted rabbi, Saul of Tarsus, who we've talked about. Sorry, this ear thing's driving me crazy. Um, And for the first time in this chapter, he's going to be referred to as Paul. Okay, so we good, Saul, Paul, because I'm going to be saying both names and confusing myself. So you guys will have to help me out. Okay, so chapter 13. Okay, so the church is still a new thing. 
okay? This church was already showing signs of growth, and we see in verse 1 that there are five gifted men capable of teaching, okay? And just side note, this was a very diverse group of men, regionally, economically, socially, like different regions of Africa, and then one of them was Herod's brother. We just read about the Herodian family. So very cool, very diverse, okay? So that's encouraging. That could be a whole other mini-sermon. There you go. Um, but, but we see that these five men, one of these men have the gift of prophecy, okay? Because we see in Scripture, um, one of them said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So what that means is the Holy Spirit in that moment through someone with the gift of prophecy, brought a confirmation to the calling of the Holy Spirit. So let's stop. We're going to unpack this. So in, in the past few weeks, we've looked at Saul, or Paul, this radical transformation that is now coming to a close in chapter 13. Okay, it's kind of like the stamp, you know, the, the end of this transformation, because we're going to see what happens. But more importantly, we've seen a model being completed in this moment of how the first missionaries were sent off. We're seeing, essentially, a progress of personal progression in the faith. Okay, and this, this is in your outline. You're going to see a lot of S-words and not the four-letter S-words. There are other ones. That's going to be a mistake if I say those. Um, so, you guys just got that joke. or some delayed laughter, Paula. <laughs> You're funny. We love you. So, we're going to look at four, no, five S words, okay? So, we're going to be looking at Saul, okay, Paul, who we learned a lot about in the previous weeks. We see this progression, okay? Saul was living in sin. He was a murderer. He challenged God. And what happened first? S word. Any guesses? I heard it. Saved, okay? We're talking about the progression of your faith journey, he was saved. When you become saved, you ask God into your life, you begin to live a life of obedience, the Holy Spirit then enters into you and blesses you with supernatural gifts to serve God, to serve others. So Saul became saved, and this was a big ordeal. Remember, because people were freaked out. The disciples were freaked out like they were scared. Because last week he was killing everybody, now he's on your team, right? That's like a 180, I'd be a little freaked out. So number one, we learn from watching Paul here as he was saved. Okay, then church, what do you think our second S is? Oh, come on. Close, yes. He began to serve. Remember in Acts 9, 19 through 20, immediately after being saved, he spent several days with the disciples. Okay? It was just one sentence in, in Acts 9. It says, I think it was in Damascus, okay? He spent several days and started serving with them. Um, so such a simple verse, but a lot of things were probably happening in that time. This was an important time for the newly saved Saul. And like I said, this is Sam's opinion. We're only given one verse, but I picture this, his time with the, with the disciples as a mini-equip program. Right? You've got guys that are farther along in their journey, their faith journey, and they're like, welcome, Saul. You know, he's, he's new. And he probably gathered around them, and he says, what did I miss, guys? Catch me up to speed. He had some catching up to do, some learning, some equipping in order to be ready to serve. 
And what better way to do it than to sit down with the team, put your heads together, and grow together. So he began to serve as an equal in the group. And all this drama, because at that time people were trying to kill him, right? They didn't like him. So he, and also during this time, he was becoming sensitive, okay? And we're not talking sensitive like you cry during a sad movie, okay? We're talking about sensitive in the spirit, okay? So you can even write that in parentheses next to it if you'll forget, okay? It, during this time, he was becoming sensitive. When you become sensitive in the spirit, okay, you obviously are praying, you're spending time, you're asking God to be sensitive. But when you start this process of becoming sensitive to the Spirit, something else naturally happens. You start to become saturated, a lot of S words, in the Spirit. Or soaked in the Spirit. So, so Paul had just been given this extremely powerful tool, this tool of the Holy Spirit by becoming saved. He was a new Christ follower he was like a, an infant spiritually learning how to talk, babbling, walking, right? And he was learning from the disciples on how to grow up in the Spirit. How to listen, how to speak, how to use his God-given gifts and abilities. Ooh, we get to have fun. Hold on. I got something. Anybody guess what's under this? Close. I heard super soaker. I've always wanted to use a chainsaw in church, have you? So think about this, okay? There's two types of chainsaws. They're both orange. One is better than the other. I'm not going to say any names. <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh. Think about the Holy Spirit this way. Right? Chainsaw. An extremely powerful tool, right? So how many of us in this room could figure out how to put gas in this? Quite a few, okay? How many people in the room can start this? Okay, a few less, a few less hands. How many people would feel comfortable running this? Okay, less hands. Okay, I'm guessing there's gonna be even less hands. How many people think they could use this and carve like a koala bear in a stump? <laughs> okay, okay. Afterwards, you wanna give us a lesson? So hear me out, church. Okay, we've got this chainsaw. The Holy Spirit is like a chainsaw. Sounds weird to say. I know. Think about it. Go, go with me. Okay, humor me. If you are saved, you have the Holy Spirit. You've got the chainsaw. Okay? But your knowledge, your sensitivity, your saturation determines how skilled you are in the Spirit. See, here's what's crazy. You can go to the store and buy a chainsaw, and not know how to put gas in it. You can go to the store, buy a chainsaw, and not be able to run it. You can have a chainsaw and be scared of using it. But you can have a chainsaw, know how to use it, and be good with it, and make beautiful things like people do with carvings. See, the same thing is true with the Spirit. You can have the Holy Spirit and be ignorant, you can have the Holy Spirit and not know how to use it. Okay, I'm just, I'm being brutal, church. You can have the Holy Spirit and be afraid to use it, just like a chainsaw. 
Or you can have the Holy Spirit and learn how to master it and use it to glorify God. Learn your gifts to bless others and to do supernatural things, partnering with the creator of this universe. In church, this is what Saul was doing in Acts 9. He was sharpening. That's not very sharp. I should probably sharpen that. But he was, he was sharpening his chainsaw. He was learning how to use the Spirit. I'm going to put this down because it's distracting me. We'll put this back here. This is fun, though. Hey, remember, afterwards, you're going to show us how to carve a tree. Okay? Mr. Honesty Man over there. Okay, so anybody can guess our last S. Close. Scent. Our last S is scent because this is what we're seeing in Acts chapter 13. Okay? We're about to see the first missionary journey with Barnabas and Saul. And here for the next three, I think three weeks, we're going to be talking about these missionary journeys. But I wanted us to understand this progression of a faith journey. So the last S, write this down, sent. Because Acts 13 is our first missionary journey. You are seeing people sent. This is finishing the pattern we see through the early parts of Acts. So we have saved, we have served, we have sensitive, we have saturated, and sent. We're all on a faith journey. Now let me preface this word, sent, So in the context of Scripture, what we're talking about in Acts chapter 13, these men are being sent off, okay? They're going to hop on sketchy boats, you know, they're going to walk through the wilderness. It's going to be quite the adventure. But church, let me tell you, sent can mean different things, okay? And not one is greater than the other when when God sends you. Maybe you're sent to be a light or a missionary at your work. But if you're not sensitive to the Spirit, how do you know that, right? Maybe you're sent to help others be sensitive and saturated. Maybe you're sent to lead a quip. Or maybe you're sent to be a small group leader or something like that. See, the the reality is we are all called to be sent somewhere. And if you're not sensitive or saturated, you're never going to experience that. So, So church, if I'm being honest, I know we've had some deep moments, we've had some fun but the average American, in my opinion, spends most of their time right here as serve. I come to church, I'm saved, I'm serving others, I'm on a ministry team, life is good, I'm comfortable, this is great. But church, we're called to so much more. You're missing out on the last three S's. Sometimes we're like, well, maybe I'll just dip my feet here. You know, maybe I'll, I'll try to be more sensitive through this period of fasting, but then it's right back to comfort, right back to serve. So you're essentially content knowing how to put gas in your chainsaw. And we're talking about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit chainsaw. That's what you're saying in that moment. I am content just knowing how to put gas in, in the Holy Spirit. I don't have no desire to learn how to carve a beautiful statue. When you sit here, that's what you're saying. And guys, let me tell you, your spiritual gifting should never sit on a shelf. What, what an ultimate disrespect to the creator who has given you such a unique gift and you choose to learn nothing about it or not to use it. So we can go ahead and dim the lights. We're gonna move into a challenge time here for about five minutes because I want you guys to look at your, your five S's, 
Okay, well, I, the lights are dark, so you can't. But <laughs> look up here. I didn't think that one through. Nice work, Sam. So you've got your five S's. Every one of us is going to respond here today. I'm going to respond. You're going to respond. Everybody's going to respond. You don't have to show anybody. Okay? So maybe for you today, we're going to start with the first S. Maybe you haven't been saved. Okay? We're going to take a moment right now. And if you want saved, if you want this Holy Spirit, this Holy Spirit chainsaw we're talking about, this powerful tool to glorify God and glorify others, it's no special words, no special person. It's you asking from your heart to receive the gift of salvation and the Holy Spirit. So guys, if you want to like repeat after me, go ahead. So, so, so let's pray together. And if you want, if you want this gift, just, just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I fall short daily. I know that I cannot earn nor deserve this gift. I believe you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. Jesus, I invite you. Come into my heart and my life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer or some version of that prayer, you move to the first S. You're saved. You receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you made that decision today, circle S on your program. That's your progression of your faith journey. And also, let somebody know you made that step so we can rejoice with you, so we can celebrate with you. So, so maybe you're here today and you've, you've been saved, <clears throat> but you're still not serving. If that's you, I love you, but come on. You're, you're, you're called to serve. You're called to serve the church, to serve others, and in doing so, you're, you're serving our creator. If that's you, your action step for today, circle serve. But also, on your Connect card, sign up for a ministry. Okay? Pray about it for a week, maybe, if you're not sure. Maybe ask somebody that you're close to, hey, where should I serve? And let me say, you can commit to serving somewhere and then decide it's not for you and then stop. All right? It's not like a lifelong commitment here at New Hope. So if you're on the fence, just sign up for something. Try it. Nobody's going to judge you if you fall off the schedule. Side note. So, so maybe you're here today, you're saved, you're serving, but you're not really sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So you have the Spirit, okay, obviously you're saved. You know your spiritual gifts, but maybe you don't know much about them or you, you don't know how to use them. Maybe today you need to do what Saul did. He surrounded himself with a group of people further along in, in their walk. In Acts 9 we read, and began to reflect, re reflect and pray, listening to the Spirit growing closer to God, becoming more sensitive to his work. If that's you, if you've kind of been going through the motions, you know, if you've been saved and served, but you haven't really dove in, I would challenge you to mark sensitive today. Just be honest. Just circle sensitive. And what's your action step today, in my opinion, you should probably be joining some sort of small group or an equip program or counseling to become sensitive 
to help understand your unique gifting. We offer like spiritual gifts tests here at the church. Somebody can come alongside of you and help you figure out God's calling and design in your gift. That's your goal. Become sensitive in the spirit, actively listening and praying. Start a devotion plan. Maybe you're here today and you've got these first three down. You're sensitive to the spirit. You're, you're figuring it out. You use your gifts. You know what they are. You're like starting to bless people. You serve the church. But church, let me tell you, there's a difference between being wet and being saturated. Okay, you can get splashed by the edge of the pool and technically be wet, but you're not saturated until you jump 100% in. Because we should be so saturated with the Holy Spirit that pretty much the fruits drip out of us. I'm talking about the fruits of the Spirit when we walk around. Just like if you were to get out of the pool, you would be dripping wet. You would be so saturated wet, it would be obvious that you were in the pool. We as Christ followers should be so saturated in the Spirit that people should be able to tell by just looking at us that we are so saturated with the Spirit it's coming out of us when we walk around. So if that's you and you need to become saturated, maybe you've been soaking in the Spirit or dipping in the Spirit or maybe you're saturated one week and then the other week you're, you're dry as a bone. Whatever your situation, circle saturated. And then lastly is sent. Just like Saul went through this faith progression, we are called, we see this model in Acts. When you're saturated in the Spirit, when you begin to understand and you're, you're sensitive to God's calling, you're, you're going to better understand his will and his purpose for your life. And that's going to lead to you partnering with the creator of the universe. Imagine hitching your horse or hitching your wagon to that horse. Dang, you better hold on. That's what I want to experience. It's in this stage you begin to ask the God, what's next? Question. Saturated people, they're constantly listening for what's next. What's next, God? What do you want me to do? It's not about what I want to do anymore at this point. It's what's my mission? What's my assignment? It's almost like you get a different pair of glasses and you see things different. You join with God, allowing him to use you for his purposes. And this is an exciting place to live if you've ever experienced being sent. You just, you just can't, you can't even. So if you want to experience that, circle sent. That's your goal for this week. But keep up with those other four, or the other three. Continue to serve, be sensitive, be saturated. Keep going. Continue to surround yourself with others of like-mindedness to spur you on. So this week, I want you to take your five S's with you. Okay, put them on the dash of your car, put them on the mirror, along with the reading plan, the memory verse. Okay, all of us should have a goal this morning, whether we're going to keep going or we've, we've circled something. Put that somewhere where you're going to see it every day. Put it in your Bible. Pray about it. And if you're in a small group, I would, I would encourage you to, to share where you're at. I don't know if you meet on a Sunday or a Monday or a Tuesday. If you have somebody else that you trust here, I think there's power in sharing with other people. 
where I'm at. Say, hey, I'm beginning to be sensitive, but I'm not, not quite here. There's something powerful when we begin to bond together and to grow with one another. So side note. So church, let's apply this model, this progression of the, the faith journey that we learn in Acts, and let's apply it to our lives today. So church, let's pray. Uh, and then we'll have some announcement time and head out to this beautiful Sunday. So, God, I, I thank you for new hope. I thank you for this good word, Lord. I thank you for keeping us all safe, God. And I thank you for this building. I thank you for a, a great leadership team here at the church, Lord. And um, I, I thank you for your spirit, God, and your son, Jesus. God, we love you. Please be with us this week as we, we, we've learned this progression of our faith journey, God. Help us to stay diligent. Help us to, be, help us to serve. Help us to be sensitive, saturated, and sent, God. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.